I am Marlon Jones, the Career Skills Architect, and this is View from the Big Chair Podcast, Examining the Cost to Be the Boss. The purpose of this podcast is to share information with students in sports administration programs and with young professionals and those who are underemployed in sports administration. We talk with guests who sit in the big chair, those persons who are directors of athletics, who are head coaches, commissioners, or directors of different areas within athletic administration. We learn from their journey, and we also learn what skill sets they look for when they are hiring for positions so that you know how to prepare so that you can get to your own big chair. Our guest today is Dr. W. Tim Orr, who is the director of the Sport Management Graduate Program at Hampton University. And he and I used to work together when he was an assistant football coach, and I was the senior woman administrator at Florida A&M University. Again, thank you so much for having me here. And I guess my journey is not different from most people. It all starts with a passion and a love for sports, being a former Division I student athlete, you know, I've always been in my blood, sports and athletics. And, you know, I graduated from East Carolina University with an undergrad degree in industrial technology and technical sales and services. And the funny thing is, is most uh, college students are going to realize that sometimes you don't necessarily get the job in your field of study. And that's, so I, as I started out looking for a job, I had some difficulties. So I ended up coming back home to Hampton, Virginia. It ended up just my first job was selling cars. So that, I mean, you know, you had to pay the bills. So I ended up with selling cars. Nothing against selling cars because it gave me the opportunity to learn to uh, be able to hold conversations and talk to people and t- learn to become more relatable as you, as you're dealing with people. Now, as I realized as I moved on into my career and my journey, that that's a, a valuable tool to have. That's a valuable skill be personable and be able to relate and talk to people. But, you know, I was doing that, and one day when I, I was just on a lunch break, and I read an article, and it was about uh, the sports management industry, and it talked about the general manager for the Charlotte uh, Bobcats back then, Sporty, and it's been so long ago, I, I forgot Sporty's last name. But I was so uh, impressed with the article, one that I actually, you know, we didn't have the email, we didn't have the internet back then. So I actually wrote him a letter. I put pen to paper and wrote him a letter, and he, uh, the the surprise me, he responded, and we gave he gave him my phone phone number, and we talked, and he said he said that um, you know, one of the things that you're interested in getting into this field, you need to uh get a master's degree and try to get, you know, further your education. I said, okay, I took that in consideration. And he said, you need to get some experience. So I did that. And I went and started working at one of the local high schools. I was I volunteered to work with the uh, athletic director and the, assistant and the head football coach. 
So I got involved in that, and I went on and said, okay, yeah, this is something that I'm interested in. So I ended up moving along and went to uh, graduate school, and part of the graduate school program is that you have to do an internship. And my internship was uh, with the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, and I served as Director of Marketing and Public Relations. And during that time, I had a great experience. Uh, Wallace Jackson was the commissioner at that time, a great man. He, you know, he really uh, invested in me and gave me the opportunity to grow and learn about the business. And one of the uh, events that I was working was the, uh, it, was, it was a Christmas uh, basketball tournament at, in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, and I think it was playing University of Kentucky. And I ended up, uh, I, uh, Rick Patino was the coach of the University of Kentucky back then. Mm -hmm. And I was so, impressed. I guess I was just awestruck. The whole tournament, the whole weekend, I just kind of followed him and see how he conducted himself, how he uh, handled the media, how he was on the street, or how he was strategizing on the field, on the courts, I mean, and how he just dealt with people. And I said, I want to be a coach. I want to be a coach. And so I ended up uh, trying to pursue and I got my first coaching opportunity at Idaho State University. And the funny story about that is that when I uh, I was only the second African-American coach who uh, coached at Idaho State, and the first was Marvin Lewis, who went on to have a great career as a co defensive coordinator with Baltimore Ravens and the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I had the opportunity to meet him one day, and he, uh, and we joked about it, you know, told him I, I used to coach at Idaho State and how, you know, how we relate, you know, our ties bond together, so you got a good kick out of that. So you can imagine, the first coach went on to be the head coach of Cincinnati Bengals, and I went on because I'm a professor now, so a little different, a little different. But, you know, my, I've been in collegiate coaching, football coaching for over 20 years, you know, Division One, Division Two, as we met back in 2006 at Florida A&M. And, uh, you know, I went on from there, and I moved from coaching, and, you know, I've also had opportunity to work at Division II schools, small HBCU Division II schools. And part of the, uh, you know, with the lack of resources that they have traditionally at uh, uh, Division II HBCUs, you have to take on multiple roles. And unfortunately, the multiple roles were that, you know, I also had to teach classes when I was at one particular institution. I had to teach classes as well as coaching. And so that got my uh, introduction to uh education and academics and being involved. But, you know, as it moved on, I've also, everywhere I've been, even when I was at FAM, you know, I've always been interested in the academic side of things and dealing with student athletes. So at the smallest schools, I even uh, volunteered my time to serve as an academic advisor to try to help them to make sure they were on track to uh, be a student, you know, to be successful in the classroom. Because it all begins with, you know, I guess my philosophy of, you know, I'm trying to help develop the total student athlete, help them reach their full potential. I always think that's important. So I, I, everywhere I've been, I've always got took an interest in making sure the students were on track, not just as for being an athlete, but on track to graduate. And that's the most important thing. But, you know, through my time in Livingstone, was uh, uh, coaching, and then I had the opportunity to get back into administration when they were looking for a uh, compliance officer. So I took time to, uh, again, do both. 
where I served as compliance officer and a assistant coach. And then when it got to the point where I had to choose one or the other. And from there, um, uh, the athletic director at the time stepped down. And I was asked to step in as an interim role to serve as athletic director at uh, Livingstone College. And that gave me uh, my exp another exposure from the on-campus aspect of dealing with sports administration. And that was a great experience. I enjoyed it. And after that time, I, I was asked to um, stay on and, and get into the classroom and talk about sports management. And one thing I, I appreciate that opportunity because a lot of times when you're dealing with professors and uh, instructors, a lot of times they go from the graduate school to the classroom. A lot of times they don't have practical experience. And the one thing that I took into it, because I can kind of talk to you from as being a former coach, as being a former athletic director, being a former director of marketing and public relations, I thought that I could bring different perspectives and I can tell you what the book didn't tell you. But I took that opportunity to, uh, you know, use that in my classes so I can kind of tell you, give you the real talk. And like I say, so I can relate to the students and like I say, I've, I've been in your seat. You know, a lot of the students in the, in the class were student athletes. So I understood where they were coming from, the demands and the challenges of being a student athlete. So I just kind of take that philosophy and approach to try to help them as they move forward. And one thing led to another. And uh, as I was, uh, I had my mentor, I never forget, he, uh, Dr. Claudia Mackey from Elizabeth City State. He was the uh, bar, he was a legendary basketball coach there and uh, chair of the, I want to say, the psychology department for for some time. And he always said, you got to get that paper, or you got to get that paper. And he kept on hitting around, hitting around. So I said, you know, I had an opportunity. I was in the class. I said, well, it's time for me to go ahead and get that degree. He always told me to go do it. So I decided to go do it. And I was fortunate enough to complete and defend my dissertation. And like I said, the rest is just. Now tell our listeners what a FAR is. Is faculty athletic rep. And what they do is every college has a faculty athletic rep where they serve as the liaison between the athletic department and the faculty. And if there's any issues or concerns with uh, athletes, they want to uh, share some information with the faculty, they usually go through the FAR. So he's sort of like the liaison. He kind of bridged the gap between academics and athletics. And they also work with certification as well. That's true. Making That's sure true. that athletes are certified for continuing eligibility. That's true. Now, you mentioned working in athletic academic advising, and there are generally a lot of entry-level positions open in that area. What skill sets should students be developing in order to be competitive for positions as athletic academic advisors? The one thing is, I think communication skills are so important. Uh, at that level, you want to be able to articulate uh, your opinions and uh, trying to relate and help student athletes. Uh, skills such as being passionate. You got to be passionate about what you do because you have some good days, you have some bad days. And the one thing is, you have to, uh, I think, be a great analytical thinker. Uh, a, a great problem solver. I just think that it's important 
that you uh, really develop your people skills in order to be successful in that arena. I mean, because a lot of times when people are looking to hire someone, first of all, they, they want to make sure that they're passionate about what they're doing. And, they, and you know, because you're not going to start off making a big salary because if you're going into athletic administration thinking you're going in there for the money, you're going to be rudely awakened. You're going to be disappointed. So you got to have a passion and desire for what you're doing and helping student athletes. And I think if you have that, people can train you and teach you what you need to do in order to be successful. Now, you also mentioned working in marketing and public relations. And mm -hmm. with the uh, advent of social media, that's taken on a larger role in athletics. What types mm -hmm. of skill sets do students need to develop to be able to work in marketing and public relations? Well, one of the things we do here in Hampton, and uh, we have uh, Miss Pamela Richardson, who serves as the Director of Athletic Marketing, and she does a tremendous job here in Hampton. And one of the things she always uh, looks and asks me if you have any students that are interested in gaining some experience. So I always try to connect those two. I try to get students to gain some practical experience. I mean, it can start off as simple as, you know, just starting your own blog. And you're following the athletic teams. You know, that's a lot of times the students, you know, if they don't have a lot of time to actually go back, you know, they can start start off as small as that, being a blog, trying to promote them. And then she has them getting involved. And uh, they do everything from uh, maybe uh, working with press releases to social media accounts to um, helping with sponsorships. So it's all type of things, but amazing if you can volunteer and get some experience at your current location, I think that's the most important aspect. Because as long as you have experience, you'll be ahead of your competition. Now, I want to reiterate that. He said you need to volunteer to get experience. So many of my students think that they're going to come out of their undergraduate programs and be director right away. But right. that's not the way it works, is it? Not at all. Not at all. Because one of the things that we try to do, and I've set up when I was at Livingstone College, I forget one of the times, we try to create experiential learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we required our majors to at least participate in four experiential learning opportunities prior to graduation. And I think that's so critical and so important. They have to get some experience. You got to be uh, selfless. You have to be able, willing to work and at the bottom and work your way up and put the long hours in. That's the only way you're going to learn. And I say the benefits of doing that is that not only do people get to see your work ethic and you expand your networking circle, which allows you, because, you know, they might not have the job, but they might know somebody who knows somebody. And if they can speak on your behalf, that's what's going to help you excel. And, and that one thing I always try to share, the first thing I share with my students, the sports industry is a networking business. It's always not what you know, it's who you know. And matter more than that, it's who knows you. Who knows you? Who knows you? Because a lot of people got to be uh, willing to speak on your behalf. And if you don't have nobody willing to do that, it's going to be difficult. So I, I just uh, try to reiterate that with my students and try to and get some experience, volunteer, get to know somebody. And we got a lot of opportunities here at Hampton University. So I'm excited. We got kids that are getting involved and getting some experience. So hopefully it'll pay off. I think it will. Now, right now you're teaching 
and you're managing the graduate program. Why should students consider careers in teaching on the collegiate level with sports administration? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, first of all, it's a way to give back. It's a way to stay involved in athletics because a lot of times it all starts the sports manager. A lot of times when I I talk to my students, uh, maybe in our uh, introduction to sports management class, I say, why do you decide this is a major? And eight out of 10 of them will say, I love sports. I love sports. So this is the way everybody with the, has that love for sport might not have the physical abilities for one reason or another to continue on. So, but you can still stay involved. And I say everybody talks about the athletic, uh, what industries are available. You know, everybody talks about being an agent or being a coach or being an athletic administrator. I say, don't forget the teaching aspect of it. Because you still can get involved. And one of the things as I got older, Marlon, and the, so one of the things that I, I realized is that family is important. And, you know, I, I used to joke people. I said, you know, when I was coaching in AD, I used to work 18 hours a day. And then as a Falcon, I might work 18, 20 hours a week. So, <laughs> so you know, hey, and I get a chance to spend time with my family. And if, when the kids are out, we're out. So you talk about your holidays and your vacation, you got to have life in balance. That's one thing I realize is that, you know, it's so important. You can't be focused 100% on one thing. You got to enjoy life and get the most out of it. And for me, that that education and teaching aspect that provides that for me. Because I still do something that I love. I'm working, I work close to the athletic department. I teach these students. I'm in contact with them every day. But then I have time for my family. And I think that's more important. And try to give yourself stability. Now, with that teaching, though, is going to come graduate school. What skills right. do young professionals need to develop before they go to graduate school? Yeah. One thing I teach them, do, and when I talk with um, employees and a lot of things, they say the one thing they want from the undergraduates or from the uh, people seeking entry-level positions, they got to develop the soft skills. You got to be able to communicate. You know, I, I think that is so critical to the success. I mean, you got to be able to orally and write. You got to be able to communicate. You can't text everybody what you're trying to say. You know, sometimes that texting is a totally different, another language. So you got to get away from that and being able to, it comes down to being persuasive and being able to communicate. And that's something that they really emphasize being able to speak and being able to write effectively. And then you talk about, and one thing, uh, what I have at Hampton, I have a town hall meeting where I have different sports industry professionals come and speak to our graduate students once a month. And one of the things they, are, they emphasize that you got to have a goal in mind. That's the one thing because a lot of times, unfortunately, students will get into something and they don't have a clue. Because once you got a goal in mind, you can know what direction you need to take in order for you to reach your goals and be successful. They have to have the goals in mind. Um, they got to learn accountability because in graduate school, you know, we're not there just going to regurgitate and just uh, stuff, shuff knowledge down your throats and making sure you can repeat it. You got to be able to expand on it. You got to be able to communicate. You have to be able to uh, articulate why you feel a certain way and express your opinion. And that's the things that we look for in graduate schools. I don't want just for you to know it. You got to explain why. 
then you got to help me understand why you know it. You got to be persuasive in your uh, articulation. So it's, the main thing is being able to effectively communicate. And that's the one thing because we give them plenty of experience in presenting and writing, uh, scholarly writing. So it's always important in graduate level. Now, your students produce a YouTube program called Beyond the Lights. Tell us about that program and how it was developed. Great question. Uh, That program has evolved because it always been a thought in my mind, in the back of my mind. I wanted to create a podcast that dealt with athletes and dealing with transitioning to life after sports. I always thought that was an issue, especially at HBCUs, that a lot of times they're not, uh, uh, don't have someone that they can talk to and relate to about and prepare for that moment. Because, you know, at that time, they're all right in the beginning, they all think they're going to the pros, they think they're the greatest thing ever, and then they, they identify as being an athlete. And the thing about that, you have to learn to identify as yourself. And because once that athletic uh, career is over, then they say, who am I? And they're so lost and they get behind. And I try to prepare them and try to help. You know, you are more than just an athlete. But that was the original intent. But I started thinking as we got closer to this semester, and I'm saying, you know, this might be a, a great opportunity to do a unique uh, teaching delivery. Because I've never done that before. And I'm saying, you know, you got to stay up and try to be modern. Sometimes you got to go to where they are and where they can understand. And they know more about social media than I do. So I said, well, why don't I do a podcast and use the kids and give them an opportunity? Because I'm a firm believer. I always use the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And I always want to promote that a student athlete can articulate opinions on uh, social issues, uh, current events, whatever it might be, and and they can effectively communicate their ideas. I want to show student athletes being more than just athletes, and I wanted to I wanted to overcome the stereotype of the dumb job. These are articulate young men and women, and they can express their opinions on certain issues and current topics. And so we were excited about it, and you know I shared that my vision with the idea with the students, and they was all for it. You know, we just started and say, you know, we actually started our first couple of episodes. We were like, we just used the phone and just did an audio. Why don't we just talk about this so people can hear you talk and be able to express your opinion? And we did that. And, you know, we started utilizing it. And a couple of people heard our podcast and people in the school were supportive. And they started providing us with equipment and space to use. And we were excited. I mean, we uh, based, the basis of the podcast was based on a book from a former a dear colleague of mine from Livingstone College, Dr. Charles Pinkney. And he wrote a book um, from Slaveship to Scholarship, The Plight of the African-American Student-Athlete. And so we utilized that as our platform, as our foundation for the book. But I think the kids did a great job. I mean, we... You know, you go through your bumps and bruises and you, you know, your little road bumps, but I think it got better as we went on. And I think they enjoyed it. They gave a chance to show that they can express their opinion on certain topics. And it's good to hear from their perspective because a lot of times, you know, you hear from the professionals, you hear from the pros. Sometimes, let's see what the college kids are thinking. 
you never know. So that was the whole purpose behind it. I heard a couple of episodes and, and the students had some really good points. Now, for our aspiring athletic directors, what do they need to understand about the social issues that are impacting their student athletes and how that can also impact how they show up for competition? Exactly. I mean, wow. With social issues, I mean, that is such on the forefront of everything right now in society. And and I'll share with you because we've discussed this in the class. And I share with you one of the things that our student athletes are looking for, they want and they appreciate administration who can support them and have their back. They want to be able to know that because this generation, they don't mind speaking their mind. And that's the one thing, you know, back in my day, and uh, you know, we were kind of like we just tough it out, be quiet and overcome. But these kids here, they're going to let you know how they feel. And they're going to express their pain on certain issues. And I, and I think that's great because they're not going to just stand for anything. They they know what they want. And they need the administration. They need uh, uh, to understand that they need you to support their cause, what they're trying to do. Because they're not here to embarrass you. They're just trying to hear do what's best, what they think was best for the student athletes. So I think that administrators need to really know and they can relate and listen to them. I mean, you can't go in there narrow mind and have an open mind when you listen to these student athletes. Because they can open your eyes and make you see some things maybe you didn't think of that can help, you know, better the situation. So just a, a listening to what they have to say and then kind of come and work together. Because the one thing they want is just ask our opinion. Just don't tell us what you want and how you're going to address this and what you're going to do. See how we feel about it. And then once you get our uh impression of the situation, then you can go ahead and do how you want to do it. As long as you hear our, how we feel about it. And that's all they want. They just want to be heard. And as much as administrator, if you're willing to listen and hear what your student athletes have to say, that's all they know. That's all they want. May it happen. Now, one of the hottest topics right now in sports is name, image, and likeness. What do you think young professionals need to understand about this area? I, and, uh, one thing I wrote that said, the drama has yet to be done. It is about to be a monster. It is about to be a monster. But look at it from a couple of perspectives. First of all, if, if they're imaginative and they can really make a big career out of this because people are going to need help in dealing with this name, image, and likeness. These young people that I know, I'm talking about branding and marketing and how they can work with student athletes. I think they can make a, a, a major career. It can be definitely in the future a career in just handling name, image, and likeness and policies and procedures. And just, I, I think it's a great career opportunity for some young people moving forward. But the one thing you got to understand, and I guess this is one of the old, old times, I'm concerned that, you know, it's really going to impact how the boosters and friends of the program can manipulate the system. And I think that's something that you got to be aware of. Because what might originally the intent was good to help, you know, allow the student athletes to get paid so they don't have to feel the pressures of having to leave early to try to go to the pros. And they can still maintain an income while in school to try to help improve the graduation rates, hopefully they'll stay. But unfortunately, 
there's going to be some people that's going to try to take advantage of and you got to be prepared for that and that's just real talk as the kids say and I think that's a major major issue is that people have to come up with a plan to counter that because it's coming Oh, it is. Coming, especially, you know, you're talking about the name, image, and likeness, but you know, with the opening of the transfer portal, uh, another monster. Yes. Because now, with that being said, there's no loyalty nowhere no more. And it's going to get to the point, it might be a rarity to see a kid stay at one place for four years. Right. You know, and, and, it, and it's unfortunate. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to challenge us. But hopefully, you know, people that are smarter than mine have thought this through and they're going to prepare and help prepare these young people in, in moving forward in this new era. Now, mentioning challenges, what has been your biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in this sport administration journey? My, and that's a great question. My, my biggest challenge to me was personnel decisions. Hiring and firing personnel. That that was a struggle for me because you have to make sure you do a thorough vesting of who you uh, bring on board to make sure that they have to share the same vision that you do because you have to be able to discern and overcome your traditional interview talk with what these people are really like. And that, that one of the things I say, that was one of my major challenges because I didn't go into depth and really taking everything into consideration when not hiring people. Because I went in there with thinking people that will have to back and support you in your vision. But then once they got in, they went a totally different direction. And then they tried to, you know, but that, but that's another story. But yeah, oh, yes. that was one of my biggest challenges because I ended up hiring people that didn't, wasn't there to support what my vision was. They had and, their own ideas it, about what they wanted for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> so that, that was definitely a, a big challenge for me. Now, we know that this career comes with a lot of sacrifices. What sacrifices do you think the young professionals need to be aware of as they prepare to progress through their careers? Um, first of all, again, you have to be willing to take a position that can help prepare you for your dream position. Because you're not going to get your dream job right off the bat. Oh, say that again. <laughs> you need to have, be willing to sacrifice money, time, in order to grow in the profession. Because one thing I've realized is that at sports market, if you're going to be effective, it's going to be time consuming. So if you're married, have a family, that might impact you. You have to have an understanding, significant other. Understand that you're here to try to do what's better. You can better yourself and your family. Understand that a lot of times you might not need a man from your job that keep you away from the house. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had an understanding uh, spouse 
but it, it, it takes away from your kids, your family. And, um, you know, I always joke with people. I say, you know, you, get to turn, you can see who's um, going to be successful because sometimes they're willing to uh, sacrifice everything to get to that next level. You know, you hear about people. I mean, I was, I was telling somebody a story about one of the NFL coaches who divorced his wife when he got a head job in order for him to be successful. And, you know, by all means, he was successful. Won Super Bowl, got into the Hall of Fame, but he was willing to sacrifice his wife and his family for it in order for success. And to me, it's not worth it. And I think that's one of the things that I, I've come to uh, realize is that I believe in a balanced life. You know, uh, family, friends, you know, outside of work, you know, I don't burn myself out. And so maybe I don't get the, the big time jobs or maybe I get the, you know, the, the high paying career opportunities, the more flashy, sexual positions. I just, I realize I stay focused on my purpose. I'm here to help the student athletes. You know, there's, there's two, I guess, proposal philosophies that I use. And I, I, one thing I've always, even from my coaching days, when I first began, I said, they could care less what you know until they know that you care. And that's been my philosophy about everything. They got to know that you care before they open up to you, before they do anything. And then the one thing I talk about is, you know, I always ask when I used to coach, I asked my students, my players, and when I was teaching, I asked the students, I said, how would you define success? And I said, to me, I said, everybody will give, like I say, 90 Eight percent of the people in the world will give you the same as you know, staying focused on your goal, obtaining your dreams, and you know, staying concrete, focusing on what you're doing. I say, okay, and ninety-eight percent of people will say the same thing, and I said, that's fine. But I say, to me, success is when you're willing to give everything you got in order for them to be successful, in order to help somebody else be successful. And I say, once, and I say, you might not understand what I'm saying. But once you can comprehend that, what I'm saying, you give everything you got in order for someone else to be successful, for a teammate or office mate, something. if you help them be successful, then you'll become a success. Because if you help others to rise, you got to rise with them. That's just human nature. And I never forget, back in my day at Idaho State, I never forget I had a meeting, the coach here, coach called me in, and he always said, you know, if you want to make it in this profession, in order for you to be successful, you got to help me be successful. And that philosophy has been with me the whole time. I'm always stuck with that. You got to be willing to help others. And that's all the way you're going to be successful. Yeah, I tell my students all the time that when you have an entry-level position, your job is to make your boss's job easier. Period. Exactly. And that's it. That's it. You're right. Now, it's overtime. overtime. Give us some quick answers. Mm-hmm. What book do you suggest aspiring sports administrators read? One of the things, that, uh, Sports Leadership in the 21st Century. I think that's a great book. It talks about uh, leadership styles and theories. I've come to realize that in my old age that I'm a more of a servant leader. So I see that's just the way I am. But I, I think that's an excellent book, a great read. Okay. By Burton, uh, Kane, and Barlow. Okay. And what was your best day as a coach? 
my best day as a coach. Well, on the field, well, I guess my best experience was actually back in FAMU in that 20, uh, 2005 team. We won in the, um, the Florida Classic, came back and won in overtime. But to me as a coach, personally, the, the biggest thrills I get is that, you know, nowadays I get letters, I get, you know, emails or just inbox or social media from a former players. And they just, you know, thank me for what I've done to help them and they successful. I mean, I have former players that's gone on to working on a doctor. said I inspired them to work on the doctor and how they, you know, they've done a great job. One of them was an athletic director. One of them owns his own uh, business. And I'm like, I'm just thrilled. I can see them growing and because I remember when. Now I see these young men growing and they're doing tremendous things. And they just say, you know, they just thank me for helping and being a little part of their success. And that, and that means the world to me. That's great. And what was your best day as a professor? The best day as a professor, I, I guess it's always my graduation day, you know. When I can see the accumulation of all the hard work the students have gone through and they walk across that one, you know, they walk across that uh, stage, it, 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 I mean, it's thrills for me because I know what they've struggled with and they overcame and I mean, especially going through this pandemic. I mean, that was a challenge. I mean, because we, we were remote for 15 months. Uh, we were remote. So it's like it was a it was a challenge on everybody. But the students made it through. They were successful. And seeing them move on, I, I'm very proud of what they've done. And on the converse side, what was your worst day as a coach? The worst day? Uh, you know, with, a lot of times we have to dismiss a young man from the team. Mm. There's, I mean, full of talent, uh, potential, you know, but when you have to let them go because they weren't sure enough to handle the situation, they didn't uh, appreciate the opportunity that they had. They took it for granted, and they thought it was just going to be given to them to realize they have to earn it. And then you look at the struggles they put back on their family now. You done lost the scholarship. You done lost this. And now, you know, you got to start back home. That's heartbreaking. Because, you know, you, you see these young people that got potential. And, you know, you don't expect nobody to be perfect. You just kind of mold them to try to help influence them. And you try to give them some wisdom. And they just disregard it. And I think that that's a, that's a major challenge. And what's been your worst day as a professor? as a professor is that at, in the current situation, you know, I'm coordinator for the graduate program, so I'm a member of the graduate council. So one of the most difficult things is when we have to go into that graduate council meeting and we have to dismiss students from the program because they failed to, um, you know, up it. they weren't accountable. They failed to uphold their end of the park by taking their work seriously and doing what they have to do. Because the thing that challenged me in being in sports administration, a lot of my uh, students are student athletes. And unfortunately, you know, you get those student athletes about fifth year eligibility who on their 
interest uh, letter, talk about how much they want to be in sports, how much they want the master's degree, how much they want to get into it involved. And, and then after their season is over, you don't see them no more. And that's disappointing. That that's a hurtful thing. But I look back on it, Mona, because you know I was one of those student athletes that somebody gave a chance. You know, I didn't have the greatest GPA coming out of undergrad, and somebody gave me a chance, and I took advantage of that opportunity. So I always, you know, I always say, "I'm gonna give you a chance," because somebody gave me a chance. But then when they don't take advantage of it, they just kind of use you up. That's kind of disappointing. That hurts. Yeah. And I always think it's unfortunate when they can't have the foresight to see if somebody is going to pay for your graduate education and you can get an additional degree degree. without loans, without coming out of school with loans. You take advantage of it and you go to class and you do the work. Exactly. That's all you have to do. Just be a student. And they're going to pay for you, pay you to do that. And they don't take advantage of you. And I, I mean, wow. I don't understand. Now, what is a motivational movie that you suggest young professionals watch? To me, it, is, it might be uh, <laughs> Pursuit of Happiness. That always does it for me. But the Will Smith movie... Okay. Because it talks about the challenges. If you have a dream and a passion for something, stick with it. You're going to get knocked down, but you got to be able to bounce back up and being able to overcome. And that's what life is all about. It's not how many times you get knocked down, but it's how many times you get back up and keep going and believing in yourself. Don't let nobody deter you from your dreams. And I think if if you, that's the movie you got to watch. I mean, I think that, that will keep you focused during those difficult times, because they come. Just keep living. They come. Coach, how can our listeners find you on social media? Ooh, I'm on Facebook. Just tell more on Facebook. Um, I know I'm on LinkedIn. I'll continue to link. I continue to link to save my life, but I am Dr. W. Timothy or on LinkedIn. Or they can email me always at William dot or O-R-R at Hampton U dot E-D-U. That's William dot or at Hampton U dot E-D-U. Everybody forget to put that U in. We'll put the U after Hampton. Hampton U dot E-D-U. And that's the best way to get in touch with me. If anything, you have any questions, anything interested in the graduate program, anything I can do, I'm willing to help. That's what I'm all about, trying to help others. And uh, Marlon, before you go, you tell uh, Dr. Newton Jackson, I said hello when you ever run into him. I will. You tell him I said hello. Uh, Thank you so much for your time, Coach. We really appreciate it. And we wish you and all of your students the greatest success. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope that the notes you took from our guests will help you as you plan and build your career. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. View from the big chair, examining the cost to be the boss. I'm your host, Marlon Jones, and I thank you again for listening.